This year, we're celebrating 20 years of Glass Tire. That means 20 years of Texas art coverage, 20 years of publishing writing from across the state, and 20 years of showing the world all Texas has to offer. Since our publication is a nonprofit, all of our work is made possible thanks to readers and listeners like you. If you'd like to help support our coverage, you can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining donor by visiting glasstar.com forward slash donate. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, please consider subscribing and leaving us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Art Dirt. This is a podcast where we at Glass Tire talk about topical art topics. I am Brandon Zeck, and I am joined in the office today by a very special guest. And uh, we're going to have a conversation about something that is percolating in Houston. Would you like to take a second and introduce yourself? Happily. Thank you for having me, Brandon. Uh, my name is Geraldina Interiano Wise. I, am, I was born in the San Salvador volcano, and I am an artist. And you are here because we're going to talk about a new initiative that's happening in Houston called ALMA. It's A-L-M-A-A-H-H. And would you tell us what that acronym stands for? It's a very funny acronym, but the truth is, at the heart of the acronym is, how do we say it? And we say it as ALMA, which means soul, spirit in Spanish. And I thought it was a really important that, that one could pronounce it in Spanish and mean something to most people uh, and that it was easy to pronounce in England. So in English. So uh, ALMA stands for Advocates for a Latino Museum of Cultural and Visual Arts and Archive in Houston, Harris County. So this effort, which um, th- there's been quite a bit of news happening about it recently, uh, you're involved in it. You are the board chair. I am the board chair. I'm one of the founders. And uh, we are right now um, in our first year of, um, of operating. Um, we have a very strong board, uh, small and nimble, which is how we've been able to get as far as we've been able to get because we don't have to herd cats. We are working on this ourselves. The truth is that having garnered uh, the, the attention and the money uh, towards the planning stage of this, we then have to go into the next phase of, of gaining capacity. So gaining people and, and reinvesting into the community, which is, I think, one of the beauties about creating something from nothing, is that we are going to invest in best-in-class people uh, that have to do with planning and the arts and architecture and et cetera. So we're very excited about, about reinvesting. Yeah. Well, and let's take a step back real quick because uh, so last month on Glass Tire, we published uh, a news article kind of laying out a little bit about uh, what this initiative is. But just in case anyone listening isn't based in Houston or didn't read that article or, you know, needs an overview of what uh, what actually this project is or what this uh, complex, as you've called it, is, um, what is ALMA? ALMA is about gaining a seat of our Latinidad in Houston, Texas, with almost 50% Latino population. 
we have very little that we can call our culture. Where can you experience our culture? Restaurants are not it. It just can't be the, the breath of who we are. Uh, it is important because, as you know, uh, the cuisine of Latin America is, is very well represented in Houston. Matter of fact, it, the gastronomy of Houston is important for Houston, but it can't be the only place where we express our culture. So we are gaining a seat of our Latinidad, meaning a destination place. So it is a place by Latinos for Latinos as a gift to the city of Houston. What that means, it's really a complex. It's a campus. Uh, we, we, ca we don't fit in one building. We are the most diverse population ethnicity in the country. We come from the Tierra del Fuego at the very tip of South America all the way to the border in Juarez. So who are we? And then in Texas. We've been here in Texas uh, and, and New Mexico for a long time. So we're very complex. And therefore, our culture cannot be, you know, distilled into a room, into a building. And we're so many. How can we fit in one building? Therefore, we call it a complex. So a deconstructed new museum. And you're going to ask me, what is that? Well, that's, that's possibly one of mo the most exciting subjects we could talk about is redefining the museum of the future. This is happening around the nation, as you already know. The bigger institutions, MoMA, did a new building, a new redesign, new curatorial uh, way of thinking. That is very exciting, but it was for MoMA. It was good for New York City. It was good for MoMA. What does that thinking look like for something that is not here yet, that we're starting from zero, and that has to service this very exciting city? What does that look like? And what I say, it starts with a plaza. It starts with telling the Uber driver, wh whatever hotel you're staying in, where to take you. And he drops you out of plaza. Where do you meet people in the plaza? And then you, then you take out your phone and you say, what is happening here today? And then you get to see what chef, what top chef from Latin America is actually uh, having seats at an open table in the middle of the gallery space. And what, what has been curated around the country of, of origin of that particular chef. And you can buy two tickets right there to go seat at the table. I feel like something that you're noting is, you know, uh, being in Houston, um, I've I've gone to uh, smaller theater productions that have happened at the match or or uh, Latinx organizations who've had musical performances or, you know, um, Aztec dance performances and all of these things. And one of the things about those organizations is so many of them don't have a hub and don't have a home. You know, the Alley Theater in Houston, Texas has a theater building. Uh, of course, the Museum of Fine Arts Houston has a, a museum building. And one of the things is it's hard to be able to organize a community or to make a community visible unless there is a place for that community where you can go and expect that community to be. I couldn't agree more. And I think that the key word of what you said is the visibility. We are trying to bring, uh, to make our culture visible. Right now, it's invisible. And we can do a visibility run on this and create a home. Uh, when, when, um, when I was one of the artists in Withstand, the Latinx uh, exhibit at the Holocaust, the, and, and we had an opening for just the artist. I, I didn't say anything about Alma at the time. Nothing had come out. So I was just quietly listening. And it was unbelievable how 
how unified our voices were. Like, wh- why don't we have a home? Why, why does it take a Holocaust museum to bring us together? Where can Houstonians see our art? And the fact is we are so uh, fractured. And, and again, it's not really anybody's fault. We are different. We are diverse. So communities, Venezuelans have their own you know, language and their own way of, of coming together. And Argentinians do as well. And so does you know, uh, the, the Panamanians. So we don't have a home for all of this, a home that is, that is splendid, that allows us this robust and, and exciting set of cultures to show themselves every day in every way that our children don't have a way to go see w- where we come from. That, that is something that is of note, and believe it or not, one of the things we're going to do is, is connect with people to know what their aspirations are because I have already done a lot of that talking and parents are so frustrated. They don't know where to send their children to, sp- to, to learn Spanish and to do it in the context of their culture. Like, there's nowhere. And, and yes, we have places like Mecca. We have places like the Instituto de Cultura Hispana. They have been here for a long time. They're doing a great job. We're 50% of the population. That's not enough. The scale, scalability of programs is enormous. How do we service an entire city? And, and, and you, you say that, um, that we're 47% of the city, but then there's all those others that, that want to know more about us. So how do we service all that? Well, yeah, when you build something like this or we, when you envision something like this, how are y'all approaching it in terms of, of course, it's it's very much for the Latinx community of Houston and a chance for the Latinx community of Houston to really shine and for that culture to come through. But I assume a lot of the hope also is that it's going to be exposing that culture to other Houstonians who may not have had the chance to experience it before or who haven't known where to find it before or who maybe have been a little reticent just because of their ignorance of the culture in general. How are y'all approaching kind of that dual aspect of it serving as this complex and this hub for people who are Latinx, but also this hub for people who are just curious? Well, you hit again on another very important word, which is curiosity. The curiosity about our people is possibly why this should be in Houston. I believe Houstonians actually want to know about us, but we haven't shown up. And there hasn't been a home to show up in, but it is now incumbent upon us to to unite and have a voice about this. We believe that whatever we do is really for the entire city of Houston. The, the comprehension of an entire culture that is as, as complex as we are is not going to happen overnight over one you know, little exhibit in one little place. It's going to be a, con- a consistent and constant conversation for people to stop by on a Sunday on a bike ride and say, oh, I heard that they have tamaleras at the, at the plaza on Sundays. And then you go discover that indeed there are tamaleras and then you, you go discover you have a favorite tamalera and next Sunday you're there with your children by bike. Isn't that beautiful? That's called economic progress for our people. That's part of what we're really looking to do is expose our culture as a means of trust and as a means of economic prosperity. Well, and to help put this center in context also, you know, 
at, when I came on at Glass Tire six and a half years ago, um, I started traveling ar across Texas and getting to know all of Texas's various cities better. And one of the things that I noticed was that Austin has the Mexicarte Museum, which is situated on Congress in downtown Austin. Um, uh, Dallas has the uh, Latino Cultural Center, which has a theater space and also exhibition space. And, you know, I've, I've seen exhibitions there um, by noted Dallas area artists who are Latino. Um, I, and also uh, San Antonio, uh, of course, which has so much Hispanic culture just imbued within its city all across it, has the Centro de Artes. And both uh, the Dallas uh, Latino Cultural Center and the San Antonio Centro de Artes are operated within the arm of the city's um, cultural department. Um, and what I started to notice more and more was that Houston didn't have something like this, and it became readily apparent, and, you know, I, I thought for a second I could be missing the Houston one just because Houston is so sprawling and it's so difficult sometimes to be able to access all of Houston when you're not privy to it already. But I feel like one of the things that really submitted how much of a lacking and how much of a, of a community lack there was, was in 2019, Henry Sanchez, who writes for us and who's also an artist here, he published an article for Glass Tire uh, titled A Vision for a New Houston Museum. Um, and if you're listening and you want to read that article, we'll put it in the, um, the reading list of this podcast. We also have a version in Spanish that you can read. Um, but it was really, it was comparing Houston and Houston's huge Hispanic and Latinx population, as you noted, to Houston's lack of something like this. Um, can you talk a little bit about why you think now is the time that Alma is really being able to kind of, uh, combine support and being able to operate as something that we're actually seeing as something that will come to fruition. Yes, I think that's a really important subject matter. And, um, and everybody who is looking to support us is asking themselves that question. Why didn't this happen before? But that's history now. And why now? Things have changed. The social climate of this country has changed. We are cognizant in Houston that we have a extremely diverse city and that all cultures need to be represented. It's about the multiculturalism, the diversity that all Houstonians claim they love about Houston. Why, why did you choose Houston instead of Dallas? Oh, the diversity. That happens every day. I hear it from ev everyone. They love Houston because of its diversity. But we need to be equitable about that diversity and the fact that there's a void of our cultural representation in Houston doesn't spell well for Houston. I'm not here to tell you what is the what is the price that Houston pays for that. I know there's a price on Latinos. I think we continue to be undervalued, underrepresented and invisible. This invisibility cannot stand under so many rubrics including cultural equity. The idea of cultural equity has bubbled up to be an extremely important part of America now. I think the last two years have shown us so many things that I, nobody would argue about the fact that cultural equity matters and matters for the richness and the progress and the maturity of a city. This city cannot be mature until our voices are seen. We almost talk about that in terms of politics, don't we? 
when we finally came out. I did a whole piece of art on this. When we finally came out to vote, people noticed. And I saw today alone with the, the political channels talking about that. We're, we're no longer invisible. We now know that we have a voice. So, but is it incumbent upon us to show up? Yes. Is it incumbent upon us to dream this dream? Yes. And is it incumbent upon us to make it happen? I say to you, failure is not an option. This city has too large a price to pay for Latinos to continue to be invisible. Uh, to bring visibility to our culture, to our artists, I think is a really important platform to begin this conversation. Y you know that conversation has many other ways it could go, but I say let's unite under this platform of empathy, of voices talking about their communities, their unique voices. I, I love the idea of bringing, um, to bringing visibility to the, the, my people through the art that I do. And I think every artist would talk in, the, in those terms. So I believe this time it can be done. Today's podcast is sponsored in part by Texas Talks Art, a series of virtual 30-minute lunchtime conversations. The talks feature curators from Texas's leading cultural institutions and the most exciting artists from across the Lone Star State. Tune in every Tuesday at noon central time for these virtual talks, which are happening throughout 2021. Register for upcoming talks and watch past talks at Texas Talks Art. Org. Tell me about some of the feedback that you've been receiving, because you've been taking this, and I, I know you've done different kind of press junkets around this, as you know, uh, you'd be expected to do. But also, you've really been using this as a way to connect with community members. Um, and one of the things that I've heard you say uh, at uh, right now when you and I were talking before we started recording, but also at um, other events when you've talked about Alma, is that it's a chance for the community to really kind of connect with itself. Well, uh, what is the price of us not knowing who we are? That's part of the disconnect that we have. That we don't, that the fact that I, I go back to my, my Latinx exhibit, that we looked at each other and, and got to meet each other was the highlight of my year as an artist. Well, why doesn't that happen regularly? So imagine how much we're missing by not knowing who we are, by not having databases of, com of, of cultural workers, of cultural artists, of, of community artists, of lighting people, of Every time I meet somebody in the arts, I, I want them to be my brother or my sister. Like I want them close to me because I, there is a, there's a level of trust that I think is a really important thing to bring, bring forth as, as something very positive in our community. We want to trust our community. We just don't have the platform by which to connect. So I think Alma is a very good, um, a good convener. Of, um, of people, and but most importantly, I think it's going to be an engine of how do we get to know who we are, 
because some of the money that we're going to be spending soon, sooner rather than later, is about connecting community. It's about creating a digital platform by which we can have two-way conversations with groups that can give us input, that can tell us their dreams, that can tell us their needs, and, and take it all into consideration. I, I, for one, haven't been given any chance to get input about anything. So just being included is, is already a connector. The other thing that I will tell you is that we eventually will build a bricks-and-mortar new type of museum of the future. But what do we build from now on is trust. If we can build trust in our community, if we can bring together the different communities that haven't spoken before around this subject of culture, if we can then have a hub by which we communicate back and forth, I think we're, we're already doing a lot for the Hispanic community that, uh, that has been left without a tool to connect and without a tool to, uh, to then voice. Well, and tell me more about some of the upcoming efforts or the efforts that are kind of in progress right now. Um, you know, as you mentioned, a, a complex or building a physical building is a very long-term goal in terms of funding, in terms of working with the city, in terms of finding land, in terms of all of the aspects that that involves. Um, and I, I've heard you say that that's almost the kind of thing for the future. Like it's the thing for that we'll be able to pass down to younger generations who will be able to, you know, kind of build on the backs of what this work that you and others are doing in order to fully, uh, to fully be represented and to fully appreciate what it comes when it comes into fruition. But what's happening right now, you mentioned a, a survey of artists when we were talking before we started recording, and I'd love to know more about that. Well, um, as you know, there are collectives of artists, uh, Latinx collectives that, that have been forming, I think all under the same type of uh, sentiment that I've been expressing to you today. It's a frustration of not having a voice and not being included. We are invisible. That invisibility has, has to change. And so there are loose collectives and some that are forming right now that I think are going to be really important for ALMA because I say let's not ALMA have to reproduce things that are already done in the community. Let's just aggregate them and connect them because that's going to be our forte. Is w We don't need to tell anybody what to do. We just need to represent their voices. So uh, as an artist, I'm going to talk to you right now that, that w I ha as I've been talking to these collectives, uh, I think it's becoming clearer and clearer that they have a voice and that they have a role in all of this. And so what we want to do is put forth, before the year 2021 ends, put forth a survey that can then give us some information about how underfunded are we or how many are ready for the next step in their careers and, and don't have the opportunities. What kind of opportunities are artists looking for? The, it's, it's where are they, where are their studios? Uh, there's a lot of information we don't have. Let us bring that information forth. Let us bring the, the Latino, um, the Latinx artists uh, into, into existing as a whole. And, um, and so we want to put a, a survey, a professional survey done that we can then get that information by the end of the year and then uh, co-write uh, with Nuestra Palabra, with Tony Diaz from Nuestra Palabra, who's also on our board, um, co-write a State of the Latinx Art 2021. 
so that we can be doing this regularly and and then knowing each other, know how we're progressing, know how we're being affected, be it that another Hurricane Harvey happens. You know, how important will it be that that we know who our Latinx artists, what are their needs, what are their needs, what, what are their wants uh, in, in real time, year to year. So we, we plan to start that now so that we can start aggregating that. You're developing these benchmarks in a way that really hasn't been done before because you and I were talking and brainstorming uh, maybe a couple weeks ago about has there ever been a survey s focused on Latinx artists and all of those things you just mentioned, where their studios are, what their needs are, where they're located, um, if they're ready for a show or not, like these kind of undefined metrics um, haven't ever really existed. I'm really excited about that because I think it's going to set a tone as to w the importance of Alma well before we open brick and mortar doors. We, we need to open doors now. The needs are now. That, that's what's bubbling up right now. So it is important that we start acting upon that. But most importantly, remember that we, we, we say this is, this is a new museum for, by the people, for the people, right? By Latinos, for Latinos, and the city of Houston. So for us to be doing this work early is only going to gain us uh, the platform that we need with data. Data is what's going to get us there. We are going to prove to people that we have the numbers, that we have the need, that we have the, the pocket, right? The pocket to, to then buy tickets for a museum uh, uh, type um, presentation. So we're going to prove to people. We're just going to start that with, with artists so that we can begin to aggregate all that information. Is, is there a way, if anyone listening might be interested in being a part of that study, is there a way that people can participate or reach out? Yes. Uh, we are on social media as at Alma TX. So all our social media, I think, to then follow us uh, will be a way to reach them. Uh, number two, we have the website, which is www.alma.org. We have a um, we have a site there, a page there where you can enter your information. It's not going into black hole, but we it it, it is a repository so that we can begin to connect people, and and you will be able to self-identify there if you're a Latinx artist, so that we then know that these things need to go to you. So. I say we stay connected. The other thing that I'm telling all Latinx artists to do is to include the hashtags Alma and, and Alma TX in, in their work because that's how we're going to populate the world of, uh, of togetherness and, and imagine people being able to search by Alma, uh, hashtag Alma and, and who we are. So I'm already using it in my art, uh, but I'm, I'm really trying to get all of us to use it. So those, again, a digital platform is how this is all going to go. The survey is going to be digital. So we need to connect at, at the digital level. And that's an it's an important piece. I mean, people say, oh, yeah, I'll do that later. Do it now. Two years ago, right around the time of the uh, big conference that happened at the University of Houston, uh, there was Manteca, which was an online artist registry, which I think you and I may have talked about briefly and you said that you were a part of, um, which I guess that could kind of be a jumping off point also for this larger repository. Yes, and I, 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 we spoke about those uh, those collectives. It's important to belong to groups. I really believe that. Solo Latinx artists out there, yes, there are some that have already risen and they don't need to be a part of anything in their view, but I say actually be a part of these groups because 
we need the entire gamut there. We need the, the mentorship. We need the resilience that, that these people, you know, how do you get there? That's, you know, th- that's why any time that, that I have a chance to, to do art in front of um, young people, I do it. And, and I take every question, and I'm generous about that because how else do you, do you let people know this is a real career? This is an important part of society. People don't have access to that. No, but we need to give us access to our people. So uh, belonging to the group's really important. Manteca, I, I belong to Manteca. Hala is the other group, H-A-L-A. Uh, follow them as well. We're, we're going to get connected. And then uh, that survey, we intend to unearth every possible Latino artist out there. We intend to, to, to unearth them by the end of 2021. So I hope anybody who's listening will, will make a move towards connecting with us so that we are sure that, that, that the survey reaches them. Well, and I want to close out by asking you about um, part of the other initiative of ALMA, which is to serve as an archive. Um, you know, I see this work kind of starting in this effort to do surveys and this FA, this effort to connect with people and to create, you know, more of a community. But can you talk about any uh, sort of the idea? Archives are fascinating to me. I love archives. I love the ideas of preservation and just what maybe that component of Alma will ultimately look like or what, what the goal is eventually well, let me uh, let, let me clarify one thing when we talk about archives most people think about paper archives and and the city and the Houston Public Library is already um, making big inroads into producing an archive center a Latino archive center and and which is really important but they clarified to me that it is about papers but what is our culture if it's not about objects, if it's not about quinceañera dresses, if it's not about crowns, it, you know, if it's not about headdresses and plumes, y- you name it. Our culture is about objects from pre-Columbine, uh, you know, the objects that are here in people's homes. We haven't had a chance to have a place to, to, to make sure that our culture uh, gets archived, right? So, People are holding on to these things in their homes, but many of them, as you know, their children will go to live in another country or they, they don't want to take these objects with them or whatever it may be. That's what I think is coming. It's an archive center that is about the objects of our culture. There's nowhere right now to reposit anything with any type of history. And, and yet I know about amazing things that people are, are keeping in their closets right now. So eventually we will, uh, we will have a repository for all of those things. Think, think about uh, MGM Studios archives. W- what does that look like? Everybody's really curious about you know, costumings and things that were used in, in, in famous movies. Well, let's think about that that way. And so the idea of having, so it's not just art, because remember that uh, the Museum of Fine Art, for example, ha- has already uh, the Archive Center for Art, Latin American Art. So do they have the capacity to then grow that with our art? That could be the case, right? It could be that art goes into those archives. It could be that, that, that uh, objects go into our archives. It could be that papers go into the, the Houston uh, Public Library archive. So it's, it's not set in stone, but I say let's leverage what this city already has to offer. 
we have a lot here. I'm not saying we don't have anything. We just have to be systematic about leveraging it and making sure that our voices of our culture are reposited. Well, upon that division also, it's being able to know where to send people. You know, uh, the fact that maybe the MFA is, you know, maybe they're not going to take the archive of your grandfather who was a painter and just kind of has these objects but you know may not ha may not have had a market or may not have been so it's maybe that will have to go somewhere else or it, there's there's i feel like with archives just because it's the storage of objects in some way shape or form there's so many conditions around them that having kind of a systematic way to approach it is definitely recommended right because because then we leverage and and i can tell you for a fact that the museum of fine arts is well aware of what we're doing and they are very happy about it they are behind us and that was a really important moment for alma uh to understand that there's an ecosystem that we're going to plug into that it, it is not an and if they exist we cannot or if we exist then they are diminished this is not competition this is about leveraging Again, I repeat, this city has a lot. And so for us to, to come in and concentrate on what is missing, but then leverage what other institutions have already invested beautifully, and we're looking to leverage in every way we can, including the digital platform I keep talking about. I'm, I'm looking to leverage it. I'm not looking to reinvent something uh, from scratch. Let's leverage, let's work together because this city deserves that. We, to, in order to, to mature this city, in its diversity, we are gonna have to work together. And that's a that's a big deal to me. And I, I, I stand by that. I think it's a really important thing to understand that that this is not about just about us. This is about the city of Houston and leveraging talents and and, and institutions and investments that are that have already been made into the city. Mm -hmm. Well and speaking of investments just to close out, I would love to know and for our readers to be able to tell where Alma is now. So uh, when we wrote news, uh, Alma had just received a $40,000 gift from uh, one of our council members, but I understand there have been developments since then. Yes, uh, the city has now um, aggregated the 40000 and 110000 that came from council member Gallegos. So uh, Cisneros and Gallegos have already uh, put together a $150,000 fund from the city, which is really for just for planning. Remember, this is we're talking numbers for planning, early stages. Uh, n no bricks get bought with that. This is about planning. This is about aggregating. This is about surveying, uh, outreach in the community, data acquisition, uh, and then um, and then creating that digital platform to connect us. So um, that's on one side. On the other side, there's um, all that's going to be have to be done in order to create the site, create the uh, traffic patterns, and et cetera. You know, th and 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 that all ends in, in architecture, right, and urban planning. So, so that's on the other side of things. So, these things have to be concurrent. But that's what these bunnies we're talking about are for. Then, um, then we did the Cien Latinos for la por la cultura uh, campaign. It was a it was an email campaign, a silent campaign, just to prove to us that Latinos really do want this. They believe in this, that, 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 that our voices have to be heard, that they too want a repository of our culture. And it was wildly successful. I believe we could get there, 
but you know you don't know it until you throw it out in the wind and say you know it's all it's money right it's it's serious money it's i don't underestimate anybody giving any money i i think it's it, you have to be serious about it in order to give money and we got there and so that was an important show of force but most importantly remember what, what i said we're building trust the fact that these cien latinos are trusting us is already a big deal and the fact that we can trust them is a big deal because when we need uh, information, when we need data, we will go to the Cien Latinos. We already have a group, which is what we're trying to do with the Latinx artists. So to be able to go to groups and, and float ideas and get some information from them, get data from them, really important. So it was well more than the money. It was about getting a group together that, that we could count on. Then uh, uh, to then top that off, we have the Houston Endowment that came calling early inviting us to apply for a grant. And uh, the more I was able to talk about the vision of this and the work behind this, which they were ex very well aware of uh, how, how institutions come online, right? They know that. They're in that business. So they understood that if we were talking level of excellence, and we were, then this was going to take some serious planning. We as Latinos can do things scrappily, I can tell you for a fact, we are really good at that. But this is going to take more than scrappily. This is going to take more than volunteer hours. This is going to take paying best-in-class minds with experience to then bring this level of excellence in everything we do and be the guardians of that money to be invested wisely into the planning process. That's huge to me, huge to us as a, as a board impeccable we have to be impeccable because again what are we building trust without trust we just don't get anywhere and with trust i think we can get there so to round that money the million dollars from the uh from the endowment was enormous uh i think it's uh i think it allows us to start moving in the direction of paying best in class uh to then move the needle in the directions where we're going to uh, aggregate information that is state-of-the-art information about Latinos and their needs and the vision forward. So to, to, to gain consensus about the vision. This is, in 2021, we no longer go from the top down. In 2021, we do it in both top and grassroots and grass tops is what, what somebody said about this. And grassroots and grass tops is what is needed in order to move this, this in the cultural equity space to, uh, to fruition. Failing is not an option. We cannot fail ourselves. And failures by others, I don't even consider them failures. I consider them experiences that can lead us to then not make mistakes or uh, build in a different direction so that we can, we can take this to fruition. So you see history matters for that, for that reason. Uh, and I don't consider them failures. I simply, I simply say the time and the space and the headspace and the heart space of others was not there. I think we're there this time. We at Glass Tire, obviously, we published that article by Henry Sanchez two years ago. So we were thrilled once we learned about this initiative uh, coming to fruition. And we're so excited to follow it for the next uh, 
indefinite amount of time. Yes, that well, is. Until it opens and then we'll be following it for forever. So Perfect. We we love having you as a partner. We think it's really important that this is not just about Latinx artists or art or culture. This is truly for the city, the state, and the nation. We are that important in Houston. Where we go in Houston, the nation goes. I think that's really important. So thank you for being our partner. Yeah. Thanks for coming, talking to us. And uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Art Dirt. Until then, go see some Latinx art. Thank you, Brendan. Thanks to this week's podcast sponsor, Texas Talks Art, which is a series of virtual 30-minute lunchtime conversations. The talks feature curators from Texas's leading cultural institutions and the most exciting artists from across Texas. Tune in every Tuesday at noon central time for these virtual talks, which are happening throughout 2021. I've attended a number of these talks since they started happening earlier this year, and I have really enjoyed them. You can register for upcoming talks and watch past talks at texastalksart.org. This podcast was recorded by Glass Tire and edited by William Saradet. Copyright Glass Tire 2021.